Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we're gonna be going down the rabbit hole. We have a, an envelope here, it's sealed. Inside of it is uh, a question from a mythical beast. I can almost read it, but, I, but, Don't. I'm, gonna, but I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. We're it gonna is gonna wait. begin a conversation that. Could go anywhere, left, uh, right, down, up, up. Oh, it's gonna go down. Northeast. Down in the hole. Before um, we open that envelope though, I I would just ask if you would allow me to share um, a big milestone that is about to happen in my life. Would, okay, well ask me then. Um, would you mind if I shared um, a joyous occasion which is happening days from now that um, is a milestone in my life? I'd rather you not. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure, go ahead. Every day when I get home, I pull up in my driveway and I turn off my car and I reach up and I push the button to open my garage door. You open your garage door, there's not even a car in there. That's right. What are you doing there? I use it to enter the house. I walk through the garage and then I walk through the door that's inside of the garage to get in my house, as opposed to walking just to the left of the garage and going in the front door. Now, you do realize you use significantly more electricity entering. I know I know that this is this is a concern of yours. As someone who really cares about energy efficiency, well, the garage door opening is much less energy efficient than you walking 10 more feet to go to the front door. But you can do whatever you want to because I don't Don't try really to care. mess up my milestone. <laughs> Because what I do is um, then I close the garage door behind me and that's where my shoes are kept. They're at the, um, at the door from the garage into the house. You take your shoes off in the garage? I take my shoes off in the garage. I put on my, my slippers and then I go in the house. I'm like Mr. Rogers, man. Oh gosh. Put, on my, put on my sweater and then I go in the house. I'm like, hello, wife and kids and dog. Daddy's home. Um, and every morning, when I get up to come to work, I exit that way. I exit through the house into the garage and I put on my shoes. And if I'm going to the gym, I put on my heavy coat because I'm cold nature and I like I wear a heavy you coat. You keep your coat in the garage as yeah, well? Yeah, there's a coat rack in the garage. And now, then, uh, then can I, I wa- just interject, you do realize you're strange. I mean, I, I mean it's cool, I, I respect every bit of it and I'm glad that it makes you happy but you do understand that some of the things that you to the thing that makes me happy. No, some of the things that you just described, I would if if I didn't know you, I'd be like, hmm. I'd be like, what else am I going to find out about this guy? Well, he keeps his coats and his shoes in his garage. Insists on entering through this portal and changing into a different person. Portal, portal. That's a good word. I treat it like my. It's portal. just unusual. Unusual is great. I'm just, I'm just making. I, do you know that it's unusual? Um. Well, before I answer that, let me add this, just okay. as a side note. Okay. Um, when I get to the gym, I take off my coat and it, I turn it inside out. Okay. I hang it on, <laughs> I hang it on a hook in the gym and I, then I work out, get all sweaty. Then I put on my coat inside out and then I, and then I go out to my car I get my keys from the in, what is now an internal pocket of my coat because of how I'm wearing it. I crank up my car and I drive home. When I get home, I open the garage door, I enter my portal, I take off the coat and turn it right side out and hang it back on the hook. I understand. Thereby keeping all the sweaty linkness on the outside, on the outside now, of the coat. Let me just say. So then the next morning I'm putting the unsweaty. I, we understand. I respect it. I think that it's completely all genius. Ju- it's all yep. justified. It's all very well thought out. But I just learned something about you, and I, this weird insight that after knowing you all this time, sometimes I haven't gotten to the milestone yet. But go ahead. Sometimes I look at you as I'm speaking, or as <laughs> other people are speaking, and I can tell that you're not just, present. Oh, I thought you with pride. That too, and. Um, just a little tear in your eye. And sometimes that I'm not that I'm not and listening. I feel like yes. And I feel like I asked the question to myself, 
You know, we spent a lot of time together. I think I asked this question to myself 27 to 29 times a week. What is Link thinking about right now? <laughs> and you're coming up with these freaking systems. Is this what's going on when we're in the middle of something and, not, and then you're just gone? Are you like thinking about, oh, I gotta turn the jacket inside out, that's it. Maybe. Is that what the brain is your, is that where all the brain power's going? <laughs> do, do these systems? Because, I mean, that's a great system, I totally get it. I mean, yeah. I think people out there are gonna be like, I'm gonna do the inside out coat thing. I, I understand, it's completely logical. It's just, it's interesting that, you, that you've got such, the systems are so intact and so developed. Well, it's ironic because it's supposed to free me up for efficiencies for other things in life like not having to wash my coat or worry because, about. Because that's a big problem for uh, for Americans. Well, there's a best <laughs> way to do everything and I. Coat washing. My industrial <laughs> engineering degree, I don't know if it planted this information or if I, I, you I were went to that. were attracted to that I was field. attracted to that discipline because of the way my brain thinks so systematically superior and, to um, and, other and people that I podcast with. And as a child, I had no I didn't know this about you. We didn't. You know, I guess kids don't think about this kind of stuff. At least we didn't. Right. I mean, I talk. I, I wrote in the book of mythicality that like I petted my dog Tucker five times on the head. But you didn't share that with me. I didn't know. No, I didn't share that with anybody. Not even Tucker. He knew. He, he knew. Dogs can count to three. I think it's been proven. So this portal is a special place to me because it is. It is. I'm so glad you called it a portal. Well, it's more like a holodeck. It's like, cause it it transfers me into the world and then back into my safe nest. It's like the bridge. Well, it's, it's like it's the what, bridge. What is the place on Star Trek where you materialize? The holodeck. No, the holodeck is where you go to experience like a virtual reality. But what is it called where you you they beam you up? I really like Star Wars. Uh, Star Trek is the thinking so thinking is, man. Star Wars. This is the st <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek is the thinking, thinking man. Star Wars. Wars. Yep, you heard it here. Gene Roddenberry. Oh gosh. So it's a special place to me. Uh, the washer and dryer are, are always are also in there. I've seen those. I, I will say that. As well as all the cabinetry that was in my house when I first bought it in the kitchen and it was ugly so we, we put it in the garage. Right, put it in the portal. Uh, we also have all the rugs on the floor of the garage that we no longer wanted in the house for whatever decorating reasons no longer fit in the house. Yeah, there's a lot of thought that's gone into it. I have noticed that. So it kind of looks like a yurt in there. There's like like mal matching rugs just everywhere. But there's also a couple of things which have plagued me. I cannot stand walking through what I believe to be, I thought my domain, now it's my portal to and from the world. It's cluttered, I mean, no, but I mean, there's a lamp, three lamps, oh, three? a chair, wow. different stuff. There's a recliner that some friends let us borrow when Lily was going through a back surgery that now she doesn't need. So we, they don't want it back, and they haven't come to pick it up. So it's in the garage. Mm. There's a, there's a go kart yep. that I bought for the kids from a neighbor because we could drive it on our street because yep. it's a private street, legally. They never got into it. Yep. Um. And there's a carrier that I that I bought to put on top of our car to hold luggage so that we could all go somewhere as a family. It's big, especially when you're just right next to it on the ground. And I'm like, as and I'm I'm I can't get out of my portal walking around all this stuff, and I'm seeing it twice a day at least, especially in slippers. And it, it became it came to symbolize clutter became comes to symbolize everywhere in my life, but specifically here in my portal, just a lack of control over my life, and I just cannot walk through that multiple times a day, and I will tell you that today, somebody came and picked up that go-kart, because for for a whole year, I've been like, I'm gonna get rid of this go-kart. I put it on Craigslist. No. I put it on Craigslist, $200 or best offer. Within an hour, somebody's calling to come get it. Yeah. Within an hour, I could have done this a year ago. Yeah. The, what are these people, who wants a go-kart in Los Angeles? How did you communicate with the Craigslist contact? Uh, Burner well, phone? <laughs> I got Jenna to talk to him. Okay. So I did not personally talk to him um, because I didn't, I didn't wanna bring that into the mix. And I didn't wanna be there when they picked it up because I didn't want them to know this is, this is my house. You didn't wanna say, 
go-kart owned by Link Neal. <laughs> I could have got, maybe I could have got more money, but you I- could have gotten 350. I, I didn't want to do 350, that. 350, Because it was at my house. Maybe. You, you don't really like people coming to your house off Craigslist, but I was that desperate to get rid of it. Meet him at Starbucks, drive the go-kart to Starbucks. The moment we post, someone's like, oh, I got, I've been looking, I've been waiting for one of those, or whatever. Oh, everybody's in the market for a go-kart. I'm in the market, you didn't even tell me you were selling it. And then we, you know what? We loaded up the recliner and got it out of there and just returned it to people. We said, we're not gonna keep asking you to come get it, the loaner recliner, we're gonna bring it to you tomorrow. This is gonna be over, because that's been, and they're okay that's with been it? 10 months. They didn't just pawn it off on and you? And they were like, okay. They kinda did. Obviously uh -huh. they didn't want it, because it's been there for 10 months. Well, they, didn't they, they didn't want the recliner well, back. Well they didn't need it anymore, because their daughter is uh, re good. recovered as well. Yeah, but he had it in his office. Oh, okay. Got rid of that, and I bought a, a rope hoist, uh -oh. put that up, and it holds the carrier, and it levitates it above the garage door. That sounds dangerous. Well, it's out off the floor. I could literally, I know this sounds crazy. Yeah, we've been there for a while. <laughs> what I'm about to say sounds crazy. I could literally park a car in my garage. But you don't wanna do that. Just, just think about that for a second. Nobody, that, this, nobody you know, does that in California. Nobody does that anywhere with a garage. That's, unless, oh, come unless on. you live in like frigid places and you have well, to. Well that's a lot of places. Okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, don't, you, don't forget so soon what the weather is like that's oh, true. in other places. But nowhere where weather's not a factor does anybody use a garage other than keeping all the crap that they don't want in their house. Rain, you know rainy what? places too, cold places and rainy places. We don't have cold, we don't have it's rain. It's tough though. I know it's tough for everybody even if you got rain. To, to keep the clutter out of there. And and I guarantee you, what I'm gonna do, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna drive my car and I'm gonna park it in there. And then. Hold on, but that's invading the portal. I'm gonna do it once just to say I did it. And then you know what, the next day there's gonna be something there. You might drive over a slipper. Three years ago, <laughs> three, three years ago, I got the garage clean enough right when we moved in and I, I, I I, I was so proud, I went in the house and I was like, Christy, you gotta come out here and see this. And she was like, I'm in the middle of something. I'm like, no, 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 you gotta come out here and see this. And I, I bring her out there by the arm, I open up the. You led her by the arm. I led her by the arm, I said close your eyes, brought her out into the garage next to where my slippers are, said open your eyes, she opened her eyes and there was my car parked in the garage. And I was just beaming. I was like, I was like a kid who brought home straight A's for the first after failing. Was she as excited as you were? No, yeah, I not think really. So, first, I... first thing she said was, "You can't put the car in the garage." Yeah, she's right. This is the this is the laundry room. <laughs> yeah, so that really I was like, just, your bubble. I was like, just let it stay here tonight. Yeah, let, it, so let that, it get a taste. That one night it stayed there, and now three years later, it's about to happen again. It's one of those moments in your life, it's a milestone moment when you can say, you know what, I had complete control over my life for one fortnight. That's an illusion. Because, it is an illusion, And don't let her see it, because she's gonna come out there and hate it again, just like she did three years ago. Don't, t don't lead her out this time. I won't. You know it's gonna it's be a just disappointment. just for me. Just, just do, don't tell anybody. Then the next day, I'll come home, i open the garage, and I'm gonna pull on in, and you know what, there's gonna be three lamps, a chair, and a toy that Lando doesn't play with anymore. Yeah, that's what the garage is for. A huge dinosaur. The garage, is, the garage is the staging area for offing things. I feel, I feel like I'm fresh. I feel like a fresh bag of chips, well, man. Well, don't get used to it. You know when you open that bag of chips, and you look down in it, and you're like, man, it's just a world of chips. I can I can find the perfect chip to eat first. I'm gonna find the one that's folded over on itself. You look into the chips, and I'm gonna eat that one. I open and just begin eating. I again, I it's just I just a different way of looking at things. That's what makes it so great. It's when I open that jar of peanut butter, take off that white seal underneath, and then I look, and it's a pristine. It's like it's like the ocean on the calmest. It's like a lake on the calmest morning where you could just tiptoe across it like a ballerina. That's what that peanut butter's like, and then you're like, you know what? 
I'm just going to sink my spoon and then I'm going to lick it clean. Only once will that happen with every jar. That's true. Only once in three years will that happen with my portal. Well, you want to you come over? I'm proud of you. Know, I, don't, you, know, you. I think I got all I needed from you just talking about it. Air Biscuits is supported by Mattress Firm. Now there was a time in my life before I sized up, you know, when I was smaller. Okay. And younger. I could fall asleep anywhere. Back of a car, on an airplane, just on a top of a fence post. There was many different scenarios I could find myself in where I could actually fall. That's an exaggeration. But Couch in a, in a college library. Definitely was able to do that. And I, I was a big man at the time and I could still fall asleep in a, in a college that. library. In the book stacks we called it. Oh yeah. But then something happened. I passed a threshold where I needed a bed to sleep. Something about getting old. I don't know what it is, getting big. Getting self-important. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, ha sleeping in a bed and getting a good night's sleep, I, it, I, it's in the top three most important things in my life at this point. It is. It matters to me. It is important to optimize your whole sleep environment. So we wanna encourage you to go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast You've heard us talk about Mattress Firm. America's neighborhood mattress store lets your budget stretch further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep because you always can and you always should. Get your mattress there, but they've also got all the other stuff in addition. Adjustable bases, sheets, headboards, even bedroom decor. Mm. I'm into glow-in-the-dark stuff. Check out mattressfirm.com slash podcast and see if you can get your glow-in-the-dark on. I don't know if there are any deals associated with that, but Hey, let's find out together. <laughs> Mattressfirm.com slash podcast. There you can learn how your sleeping could be monumentally improved. Hey Christy, guess what? I brought a bunch of glow in the dark stuff for our bedroom. Oh, she's gonna be so excited. Ear Biscuits is supported by Honey. You'd never turn down free money, right? Well, if you shop online without the best coupons, you're already paying too much. Fortunately, there's a free browser extension called Honey that automatically finds the best coupons or coupons depending on where you're from and you can say it any way you want on the web so you always get the best prices on everything online. I love this as a concept because for years I would shop for stuff and I would get to that final moment in the checkout and I'd see that there'd be a box for a coupon code. You're like, I don't have I one. I don't have one. And then I would spend the next 20 minutes searching for one and I would find some and I'd put them in and they'd be expired and it would just be so frustrating. And then at the end of it, most of the time, I wouldn't have found a reputable coupon and I would I didn't save any money. But in two clicks, add Honey to any web browser for free, then shop like you normally do. Honey scans and tests millions of coupons in the background, so no work from you. At checkout, Honey will automatically apply the best coupon to get you the biggest discount. It's pretty beautiful. Now I like Nike products. I got lots of Nike shoes. Well, I get my discount with Honey, I get 25% off of sale items at Nike. Yeah, I find myself on Top Man's website, boop, it pops up, says I get 10% off, I'm happy. There's no reason to not add Honey to your browser today. It's free, it takes just seconds to install, and will save you tons of money. Add Honey to your browser for free right now at joinhoney.com slash ear. That's joinhoney.com slash ear. Now back to the biscuit. Okay, let's get into this question. I just feel so good. I mean, I know that it's not healthy. I don't think you like should, the, you should the, tie the your- The illusion of control. Yeah, I don't think you should tie your, uh, your, uh, your well-being into it. I'm not, but I'm I'm not gonna resist the feeling of feeling good because of it. I'm gonna put it in its place. Allie B, if I were to get cryogenically frozen, when would I want to be woken up? And what age would I want to be frozen? The well, moment that I pull, I've already answered this. The moment I pull that car into the garage, you want to be freeze, frozen? Freeze me, freeze the whole thing. Well, but you don't understand. It doesn't take that moment that you're experiencing and then freeze it forever. It just, you basically die at that point. And then there's a very faint hope of you being awakened one day. Um, okay, there's a few things here. I've actually been thinking about a lot of things related to this. Okay. Um, I, I you know, 
not to short circuit this, but cryogenics is not a thing, never will be. That That's my completely unprofessional opinion. Um, I think by the time we figure out how to actually free somebody and wake them up, we will have figured out a way to Tran- off- transfer the yeah, offload people's brains the and psyche into a computer or whatever. Um, but I, I mean, are you trying to say that you don't that it's not possible or that it won't that you it won't be the most proficient thing to do? When you can just put it on a hard drive, that that's much more, that's well, much easier. Well, once you figure that out, this will be an archaic technique, I, even sa- if it is possible. I'm saying that the whole point of cryogenics is to essentially stall. Li- live forever. Right? Oh, it, I, I thought you meant to stall until stuff is figured out. We're but. talking about immortality ultimately here, right? Sure. Because there's there's the idea there's the idea that uh, in the physical world here, there's a there there is the ultimate goal of humanity, the thing that we're all kind of working towards with our technology is never dying, defeating death, right? And um, cryogenics is just another way to defeat death. But I think that some of the the interesting things that are happening in this area are are much more promising than cryogenics. This stem cell stuff. Let's let's talk about that in a completely uninformed way. Uninformed? Uninformed. Oh, <laughs> I will say, in one sense, these rabbit hole episodes are a lot like the Avert Brothers song, where they they talk about people love to talk on things they don't know about. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that that is what is happening here. Uh, <laughs> um. We read enough to be a little bit dangerous in a conversation, well, you're, but I mean, not to be authoritative. So this is you're talking about Mel Gibson bringing his doctor on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, but and I, I don't know if you know it. Who who cares? I mean, it's, no, I, I just, we're a podcast talking about a podcast that we listen to. But yeah, that's yeah, fine. yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just, I mean, I don't think that any of you come to listen to us speak for any sort of authoritative <laughs> advice. If you do. I'm really concerned for you, but uh, hopefully you come because this is uh, entertaining conversation. So that's what we're going to try to have. But what thought provoking? We listen to don't come for answers, come for thoughts. Uh, we listen to J- uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, uh, and he had Mel Gibson on. And, and, Mel Gibson brought his doctor. Mel Gibson who, brought his doctor who who, who treated his um, elderly father, who was basically on his deathbed with. Um, a bunch of problems, M- multiple well, organ failure. He treated him down in, in Panama because it's not legal in, a, in the U.S. to treat someone with the type of stem cells um, that he was treated with uh, intravenously and maybe perhaps otherwise, but he made a dr- dramatic recovery. And uh, I cannot remember the word. It starts with an M. This Mel? Mez uh, something. There's a certain type oh. of skin uh, uh, stem cells that um, are super, basically without getting into the specifics because we're not going to be able to do that. Uh, it you turns can listen to that episode of his podcast. Yeah, it turns out that injecting these these stem cells, both intravenously but also directly into the problem areas, is having these incredible effects. Basically, what they're what they're seeing is that young stem cells um, that generate basically secrete things mm-hmm. that then cause the cells in older people's bodies to behave like young cells and to basically things to start happening differently like there's things that when you you can look at a cell and you can see the mitochondria you can see these other things in it and you can know if you know anything about cells cell biology that oh this is an old cell and this is a new cell new cells multiply very quickly and and they're healthy in all the different parts but as we age it, everything becomes less efficient, and that's why you don't heal as quickly, and you don't repair yourself. And eventually, you're just basically slowly dying. You know, like sure. once you hit adulthood, you're basically just slowly dying. Uh, yeah, uh, mesenchymal, mesenchymal stem, stem cells, cells. Uh, which which are not uh, embryonic stem cells. Right. Again, and and that's one of the things. Let me. Yeah, we'll say that that stem cells were super controversial, and probably continue to be super controversial 
especially in the United States, because the impression was that these were embryonic and they were like taking babies. And that's not at all what this is. That's not what's happening. Uh, I don't exactly know the science behind it, but it isn't that kind of thing. Some of them are from the umbilical cord that are that are just donated, but they can also get some cells from your own body. And anyway, it's not actually a controversial thing. It just kind of feels that way. But anyway, what is happening with this, with the way that it's like ultimately, it's like Mel Gibson's dad was 92, had all these issues. He's 100 now. And he's as healthy as he's ever been. And they're doing, they're, they're reversing heart disease. They're healing people who have spinal cord injuries. And this is not pseudoscience. This is not like anecdotal evidence that you see in some whack commercial. No, this is documented, peer reviewed stuff that is happening where people. Even though we are only repeating the anecdotal evidence, but. No, no. But yeah, yeah no. But the doctor was not, that, right. no, it wasn't anecdotal. Okay, that's true. It's, that's well-documented, multiple sources. It's been done multiple times. Like people who, like the story of a guy who was in a this car wreck and could not walk, had no sensation under, you know, below the vertebrae that where the, the spinal cord injury was. Now the dude, and the, the dude walks around, he's fine. He walks around, he has full mobility, full functionality of his of his everything below the belt, mm -hmm. and he can walk, he can run, he can do anything, and it's because of these freaking stem cells that are repairing tissue in a way that you, you, it was not possible it, before this. It definitely, that conversation definitely had this futuristic, magical ring to it that's like, wow, this is what it's, this is what it's gonna be like. This is, I mean, this is gonna be such a commonplace treatment uh, a decade from now. It felt like the way that people were talking about cryogenics, you know, y years ago. Um, talking about Joe DiMaggio freezing himself or something like that. Walt Disney. Walt Disney, which that that's a that's a, a myth. myth. He he did not freeze himself. Uh, I believe that they said that Michael Jackson was was uh, had a chamber uh, before he died. But let's just that, let's just say it, it it has it it feels the same as cryogenics, but it's much more um, uh, rooted in, in in promising yeah. science. And without getting into the, I don't want to bore you guys. I know some of you guys when we talk about certain scientific concepts are like, "Well, I don't want to hear about this. Uh, I don't want to talk about that the whole time." And obviously, we don't know that much about it. We just listen to the podcast, and I've read a couple of books. But let's just assume that things will continue as they have been and this technology you know coupled with crispr and these other things that are going to continue to happen and develop and yeah but, you can just get in you so your lifestyle will be you just get an injection or it, you'll just you'll hook up like you'll charge your car you'll go through your portal into your into your living room and sit in your recliner and then you'll hook up to your IVs of your stem of the stem cells and you'll just get you'll just get Youthized, yeah, not euthanized. Totally different thing. Yeah, you 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 be for all intents and purposes. Again, I don't know when this will happen, but let's just assume that there will be a point in which we can continue human life indefinitely. Okay. Now, interesting book. Uh, I told you guys I've, I've raved about the book Sapiens. Well, the same guy wrote uh, Homo Deus which is a follow-up to Sapiens, which is basically looking forward into the future. Mm -hmm. I just started this book, I'm a few chapters in. But he talks about this, this issue, uh, this the, the idea of we're all kind of trying to become immortal, that's what all this technology is kind of looking towards. And he talked about the idea of how we mortals take risks, right? It's like we go surfing, which is not even that risky, but we might uh, it might go skydiving or even ride in a car. We do things all the time that for certain moments we are, the probability of us dying is greatly increased. Yeah, like shoot a confetti popper at your face. Exactly. Point blank range. And we do these things knowing that, well, I'm gonna die someday. I mean, you don't think about it like that, but we live in a culture where we know that we've got 70, 80, 90 years and it's over. Well, his point was, if we get to a place where you can sustain human life indefinitely, people are gonna become very, very different 
they're gonna look at risk a lot differently. Because it's like, man, I could get 500 years on this planet. I shouldn't go skydiving because I could be, I could be losing so much. 300 years as right. opposed to, well, I'm gonna die in 40 years anyway. But But then you've got like what Hollywood has taught us about the vampire demeanor. It's sad and lonely. And it's, it's nihilist and defeated. I mean, it's like they're just grumpy. When you when you when you live that long and you encounter, well, first of all, they're encountering a lot of people who aren't living that long, so they're they're they are lonely. Well, and also, sense, but they're grumpy. They can only be seen. They can only come out at night. They have to kill people to live. There's a lot of negatives to being a vampire. That's well, why I'm never going to be one. That's yeah. That's their I mean, problem. of course, I really don't have any control over that. I could get bit. But let's just say that it is going to happen. I mean, it is interesting to think, Is it? are we gonna qualify? I mean, I was actually on the treadmill at the gym the other day, and I'd been listening to this book, and I was like working out, and I was like, you know, I have to put the t the, the, the information into the treadmill mm -hmm. so I can get my heart rate and all this. Yeah. Now, the first week I went to the gym, I put, it was like, wait, I was like 205, age 40. Ooh. Ouch. And, uh, yeah, hurt, hurt Two to, strikes. To, to, to type that in there. Without even thinking about it, I've been reading this book. Third strike would be, likes easy listening music. That's not an option on the treadmill. Okay, good. Enjoys soft rock. No, it's really just your age and your weight. Okay. Um, you know what I put in, I didn't even make this connection until right now. You know what age I put in this week? On the treadmill? Uh, you put in a different age, first mm -hmm. of all? Put in 25. <laughs> Are you, what? Now, the reason I did it is because if you put in 25, the target heart rate goes up significantly. So you have to work harder. And I, mean, I was like, if I'm here, I need to work harder. But I was also thinking, I also need to work harder like I'm a 25 year old because well, if I'm gonna live. 25 year old treadmill might kill a 40 year old man. No, I held on, I was sweating a whole lot more. I did realize that a 40 year old trying to be a 25 year old on a treadmill is much uglier to watch than a 40 year old just being a 40 year old. The first week is just a 40 year old on a 40 year old treadmill and I'm sweating a little bit and then I'm getting off. A 40 year old on a 25 year old system I was like sweating and making noise. I had my headphones on, listening to music. You could feel that you were making 17 noise. minutes into it, I realized you're breathing like really loud. Like, but then I looked around and everyone else was on headphones and they, they're all breathing and farting and stuff. They, and nobody's listening to each other. Breathing and farting, that's the cycle <laughs> of life. But I just realized now that what I've been thinking about is, well maybe this is gonna happen, maybe, maybe there will be, there come this time when we we solve the the deepest mysteries of of human longevity. Are we gonna get? Are we gonna be young enough where we can somehow be across the threshold and be taken on into the future? And then I started thinking: Do I even want that? Do I want to be a vampire? Do I want to live to be five hundred? Or is it? Or is you know eighty ninety years? Is that the right time to live and then just be done? Then you slowed that treadmill down to 40 again? No, I'm still, I'm staying on 25. Because I wanna be healthy and trying to get my heart in shape. Did you bring a coat to the gym? No, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't take a coat to the gym. Okay, whatever, okay. But if I do, I'll wear it inside out. Well, that was good. That was my only follow-up question. Um. I'm thinking. Do you want to live forever? And if and if you do live forever, what happens, man? I mean, we talked. We gave. We we did our 200 year plan as an exercise in entertainment. You know, mm -hmm. back on GMM. But you know, you talk about switching careers. Well, I think this is a, this is. I mean, I do think exploring uh, Ali's original question. Philosophically, we'll we'll kind of get at the same thing because that is uh, the implication. There was at what point would you want to be frozen so that when you woke up, you could you, you could live from that point forward and maybe retain like f we're forty. Well, I'm not forty. I am thirty nine. Oh, round up, sucker. 
you know, our question was, what, how much longer do we want our bodies to deteriorate before we have the chance of drastically slowing that down at some point in the future if that could happen? You know, it's, do, do you wanna live forever at just degrading a lot slower? I guess so. I mean, it's the same experience except like for every one day we get now, you get three. I think that that seems like an easy yes for me. I don't, I don't. But if there was a time in which you were gonna be frozen, let's just say that this would work. I think the question is, what age will you have lived enough of the life on this side? Is it, you get to be 70 and it's just like, okay, well, if you get to be 80, like when does, I mean, when does life become more of a burden to live? You know, and this is different for different people. But for some people, things get really, really difficult past a certain age. And, right. it, and you wanna be, would you wanna be frozen before that point? I think at the point, it, here's the thing, you know, I've got, I've got Christy who I would, you know, she would have to be frozen with me. I think you and then, I'd want you to be frozen with me and then you'd want Jesse to be frozen with you and then maybe you know what our, we don't want our kids to be frozen, so we're gonna wait for our kids to get to 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 develop lives of their own, and then we reach a certain level of pride in in the in the in knowing that they're achieving happiness in life and that they've you know they got their own lives now. So obviously we're not gonna freeze ourselves and let let our kids go through grade school, high school, college without us. Peace out, kids. Yeah, yeah, but if you wait until you're old, the kids have already lived their lives. You're probably a grandfather. They're adults. No, but there's no point. I mean, when you start to think about that, it's like, okay, then my kids are on their own. Now you got grandkids. No, well, no, the kids are on their own. You know, when do they start making a family of their own? I, you want to you want to you want to be you want to see that for you want to spectate that from the stands. You want to be involved in that. There's never a good time for me with what's happening in my life right now to pause it and say, you know what? I'll check back in a hundred years from now when you can figure out how to drastically imp- improve my quality of life from from age 40 on. Well, but- And then, so by the time, you know, I, the people who wanna be frozen, I think they, they're either, they're either on their way out and it's too late or, you know, it's just, their life's not going well, so they want to, you know, hopefully wake up in an era when it can be better. Well, and part of this question is, you know, I think the thing that we all fear is irrelevance, right? And I'm not talking about like the irrelevance that we fear as entertainers, you know, nobody caring about what we have to say anymore, but just as as a person. So there are there's a, just the way our society works. You get to be a certain age, uh, and people just don't care what you think anymore. They care about you, right? So you got like your 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 grandparents. You have three living grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Lincoln is how old now? Eighty something. Eight, eighty-eight. Yeah. Now you love him unconditionally. Love him deeply. But he's an eighty-eight-year-old man. He he has done the things that he's going to do. Right. He's contributed ninety-nine percent of the things that he's going to contribute. Right. And he's and he's comfortable with that. He's fine with that. Sure. But we. But at this point, like, you don't think of his opinion or his perspective. It doesn't carry the same weight that it carried when he was fifty-eight and you were eight or whatever. Right. Right. So there's this point in which our society has just sort of said, you get to be this age and it's just sort of like, you're old now. You matter, but you don't matter at the same time. Like that's just this collective thing that people kind of do to old people. And I think that personally out of, almost exclusively out of, of a sense of pride, the idea of just not mattering of just being a person who is in the room at a family gathering and is like, everybody, sure, we all love Grandpa Rhett. We, we all love him. But, you know, we're, we're, now we're talking about things that really matter and at that point he kind of checks out. I have a huge fear of that. 
Now, when I am 88, I don't, I'm not gonna care about that probably. I care about that now as a 40 year old because I'm like putting myself into the body of it, my 88 year old self. Yeah, you're having a midlife crisis. Well, it's not, no, it's not a midlife crisis. It's a fear of being old. It's a fear of being irrelevant. A midlife crisis is thinking that my life is over now. I love my life right now. Um, but I think we're, that's the that's the part of get, getting old, not even death, just getting old that that we fear. And so when I answer this question, I'm like, well, before right when I feel like that's about to happen, when I'm about to become in what I see as irrelevant, that's when I want to check out. Hmm. And I and I feel bad even talking about it because I'm not trying to talk crap about old people. I'm just saying that. This is just the way you know. If you're if you're of a certain age, you you can't even get hired, even if you're capable. Like, you know, if you're a white-haired seventy-year-old, you're and you're just as qualified as a brown-haired thirty-year-old for, and you, you'd be like, this guy, he's seventy. Why does he want to? Why does he want to work here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just we don't we, do, we don't value uh, we don't feel like old people have anything to offer. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that that's just the way that. Well, when it is true, that's it's it's a sad reality, right? So, what do you uh, summarize your point? I'm just saying to answer Ali's question of when would I want to be cryogenically frozen if this was a re- legitimate thing. Because you were talking about, I want to spectate all these things. There'll never be a point in which I don't want to be a part of my family's life or whatever. I'm saying at the point that oh. I become a burden is the point that I would want to check out. And then it'll be too late, unless assuming that when they thaw you out to, in this thought exercise, that they can do something reversing, which that I think you can slow a lot. But I, the whole reversing thing, even the stem cell stuff we're talking about. Um, I don't know that 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 it, it it seems still like a leap to say that that would absolutely that way it would make you young. It would just make you, it would make you yeah, the we're, best of the age. We're, you we're be. assuming that you're going to basically be the same thing when you wake up, and then and then you're like, well, I almost almost irrelevant when I when I when I was frozen, and now you wake me up, and I'm just irrelevant again. You know what? It's analogous. You know, I don't want to go in another sci-fi direction, but I am. It's in a lot of ways analogous to who's going to go colonize Mars, you know. And you're not going to take your kids. Maybe you'll take, maybe you take your wife, depending on the criteria and how many people are going. But I mean, I'm talking at first. At first, they're not taking a bunch of children to colonize Mars. I, I would assume not. But it's so it's people checking out of their Earth lives forever. They're never coming back. They're gonna go to Mars, and so they continue to live a life. But that you, you got, you have to live a certain type of life or have a certain level of autonomy to be comfortable with. I'm gonna check out of of this of this world and and enter a new world. So I think it's there are people who are 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 willing to do that. There are people that like you know it. it I'm not one of those people. You know, um, when you've got when you've got kids that you're investing in, that's a, that's a, that's a big factor. Yeah, I think we're probably talking about single. But I mean, the people who volunteer to do this, and again, I don't. I'm kind of with Neil deGrasse Tyson on this. I don't understand why we're thinking about colonizing Mars when we've got a planet that we really need to be worrying about here. That's actually habitable now, but may not be for much longer if we don't uh, correct things. Well, I think we should have all the irons in the fire, and we should have but, all types of people working on all types but, of but things. But let's just say, yeah. But this we're gonna be we're gonna talk about he- enough brain power to go around. Healthy twenty-five-year-olds who are, you know, single or going with their partner, uh, don't have children. They're saying bye to their parents. Maybe they don't have a good relationship with their parents. I mean, you're gonna have plenty of candidates. I don't think you have to worry oh, yeah. about that. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting because we're talking about the ties that we have with our family. And and this is totally natural and I'm in complete agreement with you that as you think about uh, your life and you think about what commitments you can make and you can't make and how long you wanna live, 
when you want to check out, when you want to be frozen, you're thinking about it in the context as a husband and a father. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be very interesting. I think that a lot of our commitments in the way that we see family is based on our life expect our life expectancy. Meaning that if we get to a place where we can live forever, are you gonna be with the same person forever? Like if, if, you, if you can ostensibly live to be a thousand years old and your kids that you had, your kids are gonna be 970 years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they're gonna have kids and they're gonna have kids. Like the way well, that there, you. There's, gonna, there's a space issue. There's definitely let's, a space issue. Um, um, like a capacity issue, but. But let's put that aside. Let's just let's just theoretically say that they continue, and it's maybe it's not every thirty years. Maybe a generation becomes, you know, a hundred years or something like that. But you're still talking about ten generations of people. Are you going to really care? Like, and think about how many different. Think about the way that uh, a, a family tree goes. You have two kids. They each have two kids. They each have two kids. You go ten generations. We're talking about hundreds of people who are related to you, but. Because you're so freaking old, at a certain point, it doesn't. You you're, you're going to have no connection to them, even though they are your direct descendants, and they're conti- but now they're you contemporaries have a, with you. you. You have an embarrassment of riches of all these people that are related to you, but it's just it's like walking down the street, and you're like, odds are, well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised given the odds that this person and is, I wouldn't is a, care. Yeah, you you would you you couldn't help but not care. I think is your point. That's and, an interesting point. And listen, and I, again, I'm Cause not because you, you can't you can't maintain meaningful relationships with that many people. It doesn't matter what the blood connection is, right? And I'm not trying to get myself. I, I'm not trying to get myself in trouble. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm just talking theoretically here. With our with our wives, you mean? Yes. So let's just say let's just say let's not even talk about us. Let's just talk about people who are in relationships in general, Bobby. Do you think and that if people can live forever Jenny. and they get married in the first 30 years of their lives, that the expectation culturally, now the, the cultural expectation, traditionally speaking, is that you get married and you stay married and then you die, right? Till death do us part. Now, not everybody does that. There's a lot of people get divorced for lots of different reasons. Um, but the cultural sort of norm uh, is that the expectation was that we would be together forever even though half of couples don't. Are we but, about to undo everything we talked about in last <laughs> week's podcast? No, 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 see, no, don't think about it in respect to your wife. Think about it as Bobby just and Jenny? a cultural institution. There is absolutely no way that the expectation would remain that you would stay with the same person until you were a thousand. There is, n- because the, I believe that the the expectation to stay till death do us part is based on life expectancy, coming back to my original argument. And if life expectancy isn't a thing, I just expect my life to go on forever, there's but gonna become about- some norm, and I think the norm will be based on being with somebody and producing another generation, and when that generation is... The same it, as you. No, no, the moment in which you can no longer connect with the offspring, so you can connect with your grandkids because that already happens. You great can connect with your great grandkids because that already happens. There are some people who connect with their great great grandkids, but I feel like great 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 grandkids, now you're in a place where the emotional capacity for connection with great 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 grandkids is so low, that's when you say, all right, it's been great. This has been an incredible relationship and now we're going to leave and we're going to start and we're going to do this well, again. I, the thing I do agree with is that's that where it, I think it becomes like a corporate a corporate relationship, like you're the CEO of a company. When a company gets so big, this does happen, the CEO of the company can't have a meaningful work relationship with certain people down the stru- the, the, the business structure. And I, I just think, you know, you have, I don't know, I mean, I, you and I can be very heartless. So I'm trying to channel that it's person not- who's listening, no, no, no. Oh, okay, I, it's I, not heartless. I, no, and no. Here's what some people are saying right now. I'm going to try to channel it, and that is, there are fact. There are people out there who have the capacity to love nations of people in a way that, like, 
We're just not love nations. Of, I love nations of people. I, 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 I love. I, I love, love all nations. I love all nations. I love everybody. I'm just saying, as a unit of measurement, there are people who their love is unbounded. I, I just think that. Well, but we're but, also but we're talking, very, but very practically, like practical mechanics of actual connection. We there don't, is a limitation to the human, uh, to to a human's ability to have a meaningful. You can have a pers- you can have a love for a for a nation of people, but you can't have a connection. You can't have a specific relationships with that many individuals. Yeah, well, I think it's one hundred and fifty, right? It, it, there's a certain I don't know what the number is. It's the so and so number because somebody, uh, some anthropologist, like determined that just based on hunter gatherer heritage that the human brain has like the capacity to have meaningful relationships with like one hundred and fifty individuals. Um, it's just based on like tribe size, whatever. Um, but so I don't want to say because we're also talking about it. The way I broke it down was when it beca- you couldn't, you could no longer connect with the offspring. But you might be saying, "But what about your, what about your the partner that you're with? Isn't the love for your partner just going to continue indefinitely?" I'm just saying that the expectation for how long the relationship would be is that would actually take on a much more practical approach. Because here's the thing: we like to think that this is just the way it's always been. Y- y- you. But the fact is, is that, well, many different cultures, and probably most, uh, the way that the way that relationships were formed in the distant past were was much different. In fact, humans were m- much more like animals in the distant past, in that they were they were in polygamous relationships. I mean, that was what the that was when you go back to those 150 sized tribes. It was a, a dude with multiple wives. You see that in all kinds of ancient texts, and you and you, and there's lots of archaeological evidence of that. So, that was the cultural norm at the time. So, what I'm saying is that if things and and the reason that it was that way is had all kinds of factors that contributed to what was the most efficient way to live at the time for multiple women to to pair up with one man. It was just it was the way the dynamics work. So I'm saying that in the distant future, if people are living forever, the dynamics, the expectations, and the cultural norms, and what we consider to be moral will change, because it changes over time as circumstances change. And I don't think it's gonna be this thing where it's just like, oh, well, that love isn't real. It's gonna be like, no, that love was there for a certain time, and then both people are just like, okay, either we continue this or we don't, and it'll be based on so many different factors that we can't even begin. Like that gets back to the when are you going to wake up? When are you going to be introduced? Which we talked about a couple of podcasts ago. You might wake up at a time where so many things have changed, and we've tapped into the way our brain works, and we have no capacity to even understand the future that we've been put in. Your mind explodes, and then you're like, I shouldn't have woken up. <clears throat> Not again. I agree with you. Not trying to be bleak about it. It's just it's the, a the reality. Thing, the, but the the thing about staying paired up for life, even if that's eternity, and the argument of um, you know, fifty years together, sixty years together, the type of thing of th- that seeming long, but and to be celebrated as 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 a cultural achievement i'm just wondering if you take it backwards to you know like when life based on based on life expectancy that's what makes it awesome to say okay if if we're going to live this long and you're going to be you're going to be partnered up for that long mm-hmm. that that's to be celebrated um well, let's go back to life expectancy when life expectancy was much less, and then that expect being with somebody that long was I'm sure still celebrated. Or maybe are you saying would you say it was no big deal when people were dying of the you know the black plague or whatever it was called? Um, well, you know, and it, go ahead. Because then I'm saying. If if you stay together as long as you live, then relatively, then if you stay to, if if you live for if life expectancy is two hundred fifty years, it seems like the same principles would apply. It doesn't seem like that should change. The arguments that we were making 
on the previous podcast about how you know relationships, commitment, uh, in a loving partnership opens up a world of ex- of experience and enrichment that just moving to somebody else and starting over, which you know might be more amorous, it's you're missing out on something. I'm trying to make the argument that if you add, if I added another 150 years in my relationship with my wonderful wife, it would be that much more wonderful for ways that I could not anticipate because. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Because you, you're, you're talking about life expectancy. I'm talking about suspended animation, not suspended animation, basically not aging anymore. So I'm talking about indefinite life. You're talking so about, I, yeah, I know, but, you, but, you, I, but, you, I, but I'm, I'm incrementally getting there. So then I'm just making an argument, well, let's pull back to life expectancy 250 years. How, how do you feel about that? Well, the, I, I feel like I can make that argument. Okay, now 500 years. Well, okay, but you're also it's being a little unfair because you're putting it in personal terms. Obviously, if I put it in personal terms, I'm going to say that if I were to live to be 1,000, I would stay with Jesse all 1,000 years. Yeah, and you know what? And, and we'll cut it right there, and what I said and what you just said is what we'll send to them. <laughs> And now we can just talk, we can just let it out. I'm not talking about it personally because my perspective that I bring to this and your perspective that you bring to this is a person who's going to live to be no more than 100 if you're lucky and then you're gonna die. You and I live in this uh, time frame. We have this mindset, we have this perspective and so do our wives. And we I, live I in a time that has this cultural expectation. But let's talk about 250 years. You cannot years. talk about let's it talk personally. Let's talk about 250 years. And then. I'll go right back to what I said. So 250 years, I, when does when does the when do the great great grandkids come in? Definitely well, before so, two hundred fifty years, and so I'm saying that I think that that's the trigger point. At which point that the offspring that you create would would you would begin to lose an emotional connection with them? The offspring that you created with this individual person, because ultimately, if you want to get down to the mechanics, that's kind of the purpose of that. That's sort of the ultimate biological purpose of pairing up, um, in a traditional sense, is to propagate the species, right? That's what those desires, that's what they're kind of based in. And so, if you put it into those those terms, you're you're making it you're you're making an argument void of consciousness. I mean, I'm uh, sure no, a I'm Bonobo not. would would feel that way. No, no, no. No, no, cuz you're making the cuz you're trying to argue from the perspective of someone who feels about feels about things the way that we do. Again, that's why if you ask me personally, I'll I, say I don't care how old I'm going to get, I'm going to stay with my wife because well, if, that's the mind frame. But if, if we I were, was if we were born into a world where people paired up and it was celebrated to be in a committed prop, I'm saying prop, it, it prop, propagating relationship it wouldn't for, be celebrated. For for what for, for if even for if it was a celebrated time. for a certain amount of time and then it was expected to break to break up. Once you hit the what will we call it? Let's, let's call it two fifty. No, no, but let's the name threshold. Let's name this threshold something that sounds cool that the culture could really get behind. The love milestone. The love milestone. The love stone. There's the, a whole ceremony. There's a stone and you rub it and all your friends come. I think all it's, your offspring down to your great 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 grandkids come. Your great 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 grandkids don't come because you don't care about those <laughs> stupid idiots. <laughs> There's too many of them. Right, so you got I, hundreds of people already showing if, up at this freaking thing. If we were born into that cultural norm, where that was celebrated, and then at the at the love stone, then you you part ways amicably, or not? No, no. You know what would happen at the love stone? First of all, it would be a cultural contract. It would be a it would be a societal pact. And what would happen at the Love Stone Agreement is not only would you, it, and it wouldn't be seen as a breakup. Again, we see all these things in a negative light because of the, the time that we live in. If we, if you could live to be whatever age and you got to the Love Stone, what would happen at the Love Stone ceremony is that the, uh, the next two people that you were both going to pair off with would be at the Love Stone ceremony. That's what a Love Stone ceremony would be. It would be the, this couple is parting and starting two new couples. And you'd still be friends, but now you start the whole process over again with someone else, and it would be celebrated culturally. It I, seems I, here's what I'm saying. It's counter to everything that we if, think. But if that 
were the cultural norm that I was born into and experienced my whole life, I m- could see that I would fall in line. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's just the way it is. You know, if 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 you're taught your whole life that this is the, the and these are, this is the beauty of it, and these are the ways to celebrate it. You know, um, you know, I, I'm certain I could be convinced of it. But then there would I'm be certain. a movie. There would be a movie, and it would be a movie about it would be called be called Turning Over the Love Stone, and it would be about this couple that got to the Love Stone ceremony, and they the new partners were there, and they shunned the new partners, and they started the whole thing over again together, and that would become celebrated as the ideal because that was turning the cultural norm on its head, and it would be seen as incredibly controversial. They they moved past the love stone. They're actually talking to their great 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 grandkids. That could also happen. Yeah, I and I think there are many people that would stay want to stay together. A- and you and I are two of those people. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like by saying that that we're actually saying the opposite. No, no, I told and you. And I'm not. If, if from a personal perspective, you tricked me. By the way, you you spent the last 15 minutes to get me on your side about this freaking love stone. Yeah. And then the moment I'm like, you know what? In if I was born into this cultural norm and blah 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 blah. I could see that I would fall in line. And the moment I said I would fall in line, you're like, and then they'd make a movie, and the awesome thing that I would agree with was someone turning over the love stone. Yeah, that's You you trapped me, you jerk. It's the beauty of talking about things that will never come to pass in our lifetime. This, it's totally You know what can never come to pass? The release of this podcast. (laughs) We can't release this. Yes, we can. Uh, Now, again, I, this has cultural implications in my household. Now, because you tricked me. Okay, so what you're telling me is that just because you, you're, if your wife finds out that you said that if it was <laughs> culturally acceptable for you to only be married to her for like 300 years, <laughs> that, you, that you might call it quits after 300 years, you think she's gonna be upset about that? Well, I wouldn't call it quits, I'd call it the love stone. Yeah, the love stone. It, it's it's all positive. You got to say, listen, baby, we're talking about a fictitious reality that we started talking about based on Allie B's question that led us to a place where we talked about a time when humans can live indefinitely where once you get to having great 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 grandkids, you have no more capacity to love. <laughs> and, and so there's this thing there's a ceremony called the love stone where you get a new partner. And you know what she would say? What would she say? I told you years ago to get out from under that tall guy's <laughs> thoughts. No, what? I, you, you act like this isn't my fault. This isn't my fault. I'm just speaking what I believe. I'm, what I'm talking about is not what I want, but what I guess would be the truth if this were to come to pass. That's all I'm saying. My, I say, my personal application is together forever. My best guess as to what would be the cultural norm is that it would change because together forever is based on forever not being that long. But when forever becomes forever, forever, everything, everything we think about commitment will change. And I think that's gonna be one of the most significant um, cultural questions that has to be answered if and when we reach true immortality, which I don't necessarily think is ever gonna happen and I definitely don't think we're gonna live to see it, and I don't even think that I would want to, to be completely honest with you, because I think at some point, I'm just gonna be ready to check out. Uh, even if I do have this amazing 40-year-old body <laughs> that, yeah, that runs on a 25-year-old treadmill. Listen, you can't stroll the grocery aisles forever. At some point, you're right, you gotta check out. <laughs> I mean, think about it, yeah. that's a good analogy. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a grocery store, and the last thing I wanted was to stay there forever. Yeah, but you can go to like a super Walmart. They got they got more stuff. It's kind of trashy feeling though. I mean, you can go to, there's so many stores though. What do you mean? In my analogy, there's only one store. <laughs> the store is not your wife, right? 
because she I, has everything <laughs> I need. Because that wasn't what I was saying. I I moved beyond that. I'm gonna be in the Super Walmart for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Man, usually at this point I'm like, all right, you let us know what you think, hashtag ear biscuits, but you're not gonna listen to this because this has been, <laughs> this has been censored. Well, here's the thing is that you're making the assumption that our wives listen to this podcast. They don't. No, they don't. They don't. They listen to us. They listen and to that's us. That's why you are listening. To blabber this. on about things at home. Oh, why, why are they gonna? Why are they gonna choose to just play a digital file of us talking and, for and an you, hour? And let's let's be real, real. All right. Yeah. What, who are we to think that they would be offended that we would say that? They'd probably be like, "Hallelujah!" freaking Yeah. I, I don't. You think I want to be with you forever? I think that I, I know one of our wives. Is gonna be thinking that. <laughs> I know. I, I think that. My, I think my wife would be. I think she'd be on the same page with me. I, th I think she would say, if that comes to pass, the love stone ceremony, hundreds of years into the future, I get it. It's fine. Wish you the best. <laughs> and you know what? Well, you know we can we can restone. Yeah, you can come back again. Yeah. Yeah. You have forever. You have forever, unless you die in a car wreck. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, which is one of the things that I was. Talking about earlier, but you know, let's just assume that you're living in like a weird bubble suit that you you can't die, which that makes things awkward right there. Bubble suit. I just just picture myself walking down the grocery store aisle in a bubble suit. <laughs> and how do I get out of this place? You can't. You can't <laughs> die. You're in a bubble suit. You can't fit through the checkout. Yeah. All those magazines. Okay. Well, Abby, or that's not your name, Allie B. Uh, hopefully you really, we, you've really dredged it up. Yeah, I mean, this is all your fault. Uh, but you know, hopefully many, many years from now, somebody at a love stone ceremony will dig this up and be like, you know the origin of this whole idea. It's a couple of nimrods back in 2018 talking out of their buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hashtag ear biscuits. Breathe in deep. 